It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Men are from Earth. Women are from Earth. Deal with it. <laughs> George Carlin. I love that quote. Yes, yeah. We are all from the same planet, right? And, well, at least we think most of us are. Right. But that doesn't mean we all have the same experiences, especially when it comes to dating or meeting the ideal mate. A recent study conducted by Statistic Brain shows that 44% of adults in the U.S. are currently single. Over half of singles say they're too busy to meet anyone which is probably why 40 million adults are trying to find Mr. or Ms. Right through online dating. And get this, 48% of breakups happen through email. What? I was really surprised by that, but maybe I shouldn't be. And roughly, I would imagine, 110% of singles are occasionally frustrated or confused. I don't know about that. That's my own little made-up thing. Dating frustration wasn't part of that study, but considering all of the complexities of our modern lives and everything I've heard from our my wonderful girlfriends, from many of you guests out there, that you know, it can be a tough, tough thing out there. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and you may have heard we have a very fabulous guest sitting here today with you. I'm so stoked to be carrying on our part two of our dating series with a guest who is out there to demystify the dating process for men and empower women at the same time. Marnie Kurnurs is a professional dating coach, author, radio personality, and creator of, I love this, The Wing Girl Method, which aims to help guys understand women so they can attract, date, seduce, and land the amazing women that they want. One of Marnie's clients said this about her. She's not giving pickup advice. She is just trying to get men to get it. Seems so practical, right? Uh, Marnie has a BA in psychology from the University of Western Ontario in Canada. She's been featured all over the place, including by the LA Times, CNN, the Huffington Post, Fox News, the Chicago Tribune, Marie Claire, Elle, it's a long, beautiful list, Men's Health, Penthouse, AskMen.com, and more. Another thing I love about her is that she's really empowering everybody, and her videos are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me, Marnie. How are you doing? Thanks for that intro. Oh my god. That was fantastic. That made me feel really good. Good. Yeah, so thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Yay. We were just uh, chatting a bit. We have some interesting commonalities. It's not a good thing that we have in common, but it has been a good thing for both of us because I think it's helped us become who we are. But yeah, it's very strange how similar our backgrounds are. Yeah, totally, totally. So the outcome has been good. Yes. And we're grateful for the lessons. But so uh, my listeners know that I have. I overcame a very severe eating disorder. Not only that, we both we both overcame an eating disorder. We both had anorexia, which has the highest fatality rate of all psychiatric illnesses. So I feel like we should take a moment to celebrate how awesome yeah. it feels to be alive and healthy, and to say it's possible. Yeah. You know? Well, I'll, I don't. I don't ever. I don't know why I don't ever say I had anorexia because I, I wasn't really anorexic. I had disordered eating. Okay. So um, I thought about food constantly and like I would wake up in the morning and I would go as long as I could without eating and then I would binge eat like crazy on things that I thought were healthy because when I was younger I danced and I 
I never cared about food. I put whatever I wanted to in my mouth. I remember when I was 17, I was going to prom, and one of my good friends was doing like a diet, a crash diet for prom where she was just having fruit and soup. And I was like, oh, I feel so bad for you. I'm having like my turkey sandwich and yeah. sitting beside her. And I was like, oh, why didn't I do it with you? I'll, you know, for the next two weeks, I'll, I'll be your friend and I'll eat soup and fruit. I don't care. And she's like, okay, I would love that. And I started eating that way, and I quickly lost 10 pounds. Um, and I never really lost weight or gained weight before. My, my weight was always constant. And when I had lost that weight, Something triggered in my brain. I, I don't know what it was, but when it started to gain back, I didn't like it because I'd never had that experience before. And then I started getting fixated on foods, and I knew nothing about nutrition at that time because, as I said, I danced, so I ate everything, and yeah. nothing ever affected me. Yeah. But now I was eating strange foods because I thought that they were good for me. I was eating them in bulk and binging them, and then I would gain – more weight and then I would be fixated. It just was a horrible cycle. You know, that and I that is in. so interesting you mentioned that. First of all, I'm really glad you brought up disordered eating because I'm I'm so passionate about getting the word out about that because as wonderful it is to have gone through uh, an eating disorder that you know, was diagnosable in a very kind yeah. of, you can put it into a specific diagnosis um, thing. That's It's great for everybody who's gone through that. But the epidemic really is disordered eating. Yeah. And it's what everybody, I went through it through recovery. Everyone who has bulimia goes through it. And there's yeah. really, even anorexia and bulimia are not like these. We think that anorexia is starving and never eating. Right. I ate every day I was anorexic. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't eat enough, obviously. Right. But I ate, so I thought there's no way, you know. And then it, people think bulimia is all about binging, purging, binging, purging. It's not that clean cut and disordered eating has become so common and kind of quote normal that people get away with it and they struggle for years and years. So what made you then decide to make a change and to, to heal? Well, I had a stroke when I was 20. So that was one of the first things I I was going through a really emotional time in my life. I was struggling with the disorder and so I wasn't in the most sound state at that time. Uh, and I had gone through a breakup, a stupid breakup with a guy that I had dated for three months. Mm-hmm. And I went to school with him and I saw him every day. And I just – I started playing games with myself and messed with my mind. Yeah. And I, I fixated on it the same way that I was fixating on my body. So those were the two things that I was aiming to control. And because I had no control over the guy situation, I took extreme control over what I put into my body. And, and how did that cause the stroke? Do you know? Was it no. Were you the, taking uh, diet pills or was it just No. Cuz it could anything that you do with restricting your your body and all of those things do raise your risk for. Yeah. You know, I was telling you I had weird heartbeat things happening and I collapsed, you know, running, you collapsed crazy. running. It, we can't it's like the fuel in our bodies. You know, when you're yeah. denying yourself just basic wellness, it's 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 incredible. Yeah. So, and I was feeding myself with you know gummy bears and stuff like that's what I was putting into my body for fuel. And I was at summer camp as a camp counselor. It was super hot up there, um, and yeah, same as you. I just collapsed, and the, I have like little flash memories of going to different infirmaries and different hospitals and waking up in the ICU at uh, Toronto Hospital. And I was like, well, I have yeah. no idea. And then even for me, I had a stroke. and So for me, I felt totally fine in my brain. 
but I was not. Like I would say things and I would think I was saying something and people would just like smile at me and I was saying something that made absolutely no sense. Oh, wow. And then I demanded to get out of the hospital because I thought I was fine. I was walking on an angle because my right side of my body was a little bit slow. It was just – it was a lot, you know. Um, but <laughs> that was one thing that helped change me. But it took about a good year and a half afterwards because I was pretty sad and down on myself after that stroke uh, and, and still eating that way, to be honest. It really didn't have a huge impact on me because I didn't see it. And for me, I was like, I feel fine. I feel normal. I'll just hang out with my friends and still kind of eat the same way. And I'm still totally fine. Um, once I moved to Los Angeles, I think that's when things started to shift for me because I started researching more about how my body works. And I had gone in Toronto for multiple tests for my stomach. I always had stomach pain. Uh, so things didn't feel good going into my body. So here I discovered Chinese medicine. I discovered Ayurveda. I got tested from a functional doctor, all of these things to find out that I had leaky gut from having tons of antibiotics and from screwing with my stomach for a very long time. Um, and I had to nourish myself to, for that to heal. And I had to eliminate certain foods, which I had already eliminated everything pretty much, but certain foods that I didn't think were causing intolerances and, and allergies for my body because my body was basically attacking my body. Wow. And that's what I think happened why I had a stroke. But once I, I discovered all of those things and how to nourish my body properly, um, things have gotten back on track. And I feel like now I eat a balanced diet, although I've had a baby recently, so some meals do get skipped, but I make up for it on the back end for sure. <laughs> um, but but I, I feel much better with my relationship with food now because I used to be very afraid of food. It's such a, a common fear, too, and one yeah. that you don't realize how debilitating it is until you start to heal. Yeah. And you get all of this energy. You know, the food really does feel like fuel. You start to respect your body yeah. and digestion and life more. Yeah. And I, listen, I, I'll be honest. I, I still have times when I have certain things in my life that don't feel in control. I, I go to the body first. And that's when I look in the mirror and I'm like, ah, I look heavier today. And, like, I fixate on that. But I've become aware of that now so I can comment and I won't have the same reaction to the, to, the, to that like I did in the past. That's so huge. I won't. Awareness is really big because yeah. then it becomes a tool. Yeah. You know, uh, for a long time, it probably took me 10 years to be really, really recovered, like in body, mind, soul. Um, <clears throat> but I did find that for several years or more, when I would start feeling low on my body, I just had to dig deeper. Yeah. I had to say, what am I not dealing with? Like, what am I unhappy with? Is it the relationship that I'm in that I'm not happy with? Which right. many times it was. Because really? I, oh, I was always jumping from relationship to relationship. Actually, a big, huge part of the reason behind this show and my brand and my activism came from the fact that I realized during my recovery that not embracing my sexuality played a huge role in the way that I felt about my body. And it's something that makes sense. It does, right? Yeah. But it's not talked about very much. You no. know, it wasn't any, my therapist never asked me about nobody, you know, it's just not talked about. And I'm, I was in Minnesota and I was in this college course. It was the first, I was 20, the first time I actually talked about having sex. I'd had it. Really? It's very different to embrace your sexuality and to, like, have sex. So yeah. that was so empowering for me. And then I couldn't shut up about it, which completely freaked out my super conservative boyfriend who we, I had nothing in common with that I didn't realize I had nothing in common right. with. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's just such an interesting process. And uh, so did you, 
grow up with sex positive kind of attitudes or was that something yeah. That you, yeah not like you know i didn't grow up in like a naked house or anything when people walked around naked and talked about sex all the time yeah i don't even think my parents have sex to be honest but like <laughs> maybe my, once maybe once yeah. maybe three times i have two sisters <laughs> okay so but they they never hid it from me everything is on the table with my family and they they don't like blink an eye when something is being said like my mom showed me those books um, oh my god, what are they? I just bought them for my son too. Although it's like so far in advance for him. Oh, what is it called? Is it it's, the sex ed book where they no, show the baby coming out and no, all that? No, it's like these. It's like these cartoon characters. Oh god, I forget. What it was. I'll remember it later. But I remember reading those books with my mom. My mom made like paper cutouts of the our naked family members to I show us Canada. like a penis and a <laughs> vagina. Like, oh, like she was totally fine with it. I wouldn't That's say great. that my mom was telling me about her orgasms and like sure. going into great detail, but she's very open to hearing that Thank stuff goodness. and talking about it. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. So how did you go? I actually read that you were very shy at one point, which I never would have guessed. I still am. You are? Yeah. Wow. I still am. I, I push through it. I have certain tools that I use now. But yeah, I'm still shy. That's very inspiring. And I love how honest you are about that because <laughs> there's so many people out there who struggle with, you know, these all these issues we're talking about. Yeah. And to hear someone say, I get it and I can be successful and happy and have a family and all this stuff. Uh, so how did you deal so you had not overcome your shyness but allow it to not hold you back and what led you into this beautiful career as a dating coach where you are you really can't appear as shy you have to be approaching people and talking to people all the time yeah okay so so many questions okay so the first thing um how did i overcome my shyness so so before i had my stroke i had actually gone backpacking in australia when i was 18 years old and i went with my best friend she was the kind of girl, like, she would go outside for a cigarette and, like, come back with eight friends. And I, I would roam the streets of New Zealand and make no friends because I wouldn't talk to people. And I just – I hated being the sidekick. I hated being the tag-along friend that wasn't interesting. And I I knew that she thought I was interesting and we enjoyed each other. But I wanted to learn to be more like her. So I started giving myself assignments when we were in New Zealand before I we went to Australia. And I would go out every single day and have to approach ten people and just say hi. And then I would give myself – scavenger hunt lists of things like, okay, I have to go up to somebody and say something goofy. I have to go up to a person and curtsy at them. Like, stupid things. But just to get me out of my shell. And I, I just did it in baby steps. And by the time that I finished this trip, which was three months at the time, I actually extended it afterwards, um, my friends and I had separated for a little bit because she wanted to go somewhere that I didn't want to go to. And we got back together. We met at this bar. And we were having a couple of drinks. And they said, who wants to get up on stage and sing and dance? And I raised my hand. I went up I went up on the stage. And I started singing and dancing and, like, pulling people up onto the stage. And at the very end, my friend said to me, who are you? And I said, I'm the person I've always wanted to be. Just like this really... Uh-huh. I just didn't care. And then when I when I did, you know, with the relapse of the guy that I was dating, I was like really free before I was with him. And it's funny that you mentioned sexuality because I, I had a boyfriend when I was away backpacking who taught me to be more open sexually. So I don't know if there was a correlation between the two, but um, me being more outgoing and expressing myself sexually. But I was more open. And I remember saying to this boy that I was dating, um, okay, so what do you like? What do you want to try? And he he yelled at me one day saying, stop asking me those questions. It makes me very uncomfortable. And from that point, I just like sort of shut down. And then I remember I came back from my trip and I was just – I'm not a judgmental person at all. Uh, Towards me, yes. But towards other people, I wasn't. I remember him saying to me like, you should be more judgmental. And all of these things were going into me and I was saying that's the stupidest comment ever but I really like him and I want him to like me more. 
and I was young. So I was like, okay, well, I should be more judgmental. So all of those things um, caused me to shut down and then we broke up. That was just like a whole tailspin. So once I recovered from everything and I moved out to Los Angeles, I started to put back those things that I had been practicing before because I wanted to find that person again. That's why I kind of had to separate from Toronto. I was too locked in to that world um, and I wanted a fresh start in LA and that's what I got when I moved out here. I made a deal with myself to say yes to every invite that I had, date people that I wouldn't typically date, befriend people that I wouldn't typically befriend, which ended up paying off for me really, really well. Um, And I started my business about eight months after I moved here, a month after I met my husband. Um, But I was at a singles mixer at a rabbi's house and nobody was talking to each other. So I started grabbing guys and I started dragging them towards women and starting conversations and saying to them, like, don't say this, don't say that, do this, do that. And by the end of the night, people were interacting, they were exchanging phone numbers, they were making out, and it was awesome. And then when I went home, I made a joke. I was a little bit tipsy. And I made a joke saying, I love what I did tonight. I want to be a wing girl. Imagine if I did that for a career. And my roommate said to me, yeah, that's not going to work. And he's a, he was a guy, like 35, and he's like, that's not going to work. Men are not going to pay for that unless you throw in, like, a sexual favor and a case of beer. Like, that's the only way you'll make money off of it. And I didn't believe him, so I put an ad on Craigslist, and I had over 75 people respond by the next morning. Yeah, so I so I just started. Story, I love that so much. I've been thinking a lot about uh, stepping out of our comfort zones, and I think that's such an important kind of metaphor in your story. That if you simply push yourself to step gently out of wherever you feel comfortable, challenge yourself, and really, because you also reclaimed your authenticity. You said that, yeah. however, that in our 20s, it's also messed up, especially early on. We we rely so much on other people's viewpoints. Like, yeah. I was doing the same thing. The guy that I was dating, when I first met him, I just thought he was a little strange. But I thought, well, he likes me for some bizarre reason that I right. can't figure out. So I should probably just keep him. Right. And then it took me a while to like him. Then I fall in love with him because I'm like thinking I love him. And but, exactly oh how my I gosh, was too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. We put so much. Like, oh, someone loves us now? Okay, then we then we must be important and you must be important if you love us yeah. as well. It's weird. We're like we hanging on to ourselves. that like we need to be validated. Same yeah. thing with like the scale, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm failing because I gained weight or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, so you started your business. Yeah. And did you start right away as were I you honestly saying, I'm just be started. A girl? I just started. I just started going. I started getting more clients off of Craigslist, which just for advice for people, do not. <laughs> I do that for that long. Like I got contacted by a pimp. I got contacted by weird, sketchy people. But um, about five months after I had started my business, I went to – I'm not sure you know who this is, but David D'Angelo. He's a big dating coach and also internet marketer. Yeah, his real name is Eben Pagan. But I stalked him because apparently he was like the big guy in the pickup artist community. And I knew that the pickup artist community was all for men and that would be my target audience because they want to learn how to meet women. So that's who I would go after. So I stalked him and ended up getting onto one of his seminars. And I didn't know anything about internet marketing at that time or really about him, to be honest. I just knew that he had a seminar and I wanted to speak at it because he was like the top in that world. And I thought I was speaking to 300 people, but he was taping our seminar and then distributing it to millions of men all over the world. So I spoke at that seminar and then that quickly boosted me and validated me within that community and and really created my business for me. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And your business, so the the Wing Girl Method, I love this quote that you have on your website. Uh, It's based on the philosophy that you've got to turn yourself on first before any woman will be attracted to you, which... 
you know, we talk about the reverse of that, how women need to, we need to like we need fall to in love with our own lives first, yeah. right? So I love that, that you bring that to the men. Cause, and also we've talked about dating experts, quote, dating experts, right. who are, it seems like there are so many guys who are telling guys how women think. And I love that you're, you know, you're, like, how do you like, know? you're like, I have a vagina. I yeah. know what I'm talking about. I know exactly about. <laughs> what I'm thinking. It's muddled and crazy, but I'll try and dissect it for you. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Exactly. So what... How does it work? How does your method work or how do you work with your clients? Well, so initially my method was me and another wing girl would go out with you and pick up women with you. (laughs) And then all these guys just started asking all these questions. And I would also realize these guys would come out with us and then they wouldn't have anything afterwards. I wasn't really teaching a man to fish. You know, I was fishing for him, but he wasn't really learning anything and he would have a nice night. But then he'd kind of be empty handed afterwards. So I realized that if a man wanted to be a real man – He shouldn't need a woman to pick up women for him. So I started learning more about psychology and the psychology of attraction. And I started interviewing other experts and other women. And I probably interview close to 4,000 women now about what they want, what they're attracted to. And then I've taken all of that information and I've given it to the guys who come to winggirlmethod.com or listen to my podcast. I really want to offer them a true and honest female perspective. And a lot of the interviews that I do with women, um, I find it really interesting to hear the way that they answer things because everybody has their interview ready answers of how they want people to perceive them. And some people are not even conscious that they're doing this. But I try to do my best to dig a level deeper so that women understand what it is that they're doing and how they're actually thinking about these things. So um, I'm trying to give them the most real information possible so they can use it because I don't want to say to them, yeah, you just compliment women and you just be really nice and you just do that because that that does not work. It does, does not work and it doesn't work especially when they're hearing that information because they've tried it a million times and from their point of view, they are being nice. So there's so much more to it. They've complimented, but there's so much more to it. There's There's a character that lies underneath that and that's what women are attracted to and that's what I help men learn to become. So more of who they are authentically, which is mm-hmm. what you found within yourself. You yeah. know, you have to take away those layers. And there's all this strategy, which can, seems like it can get in the way if you're, yeah. you know. And uh, I have friends who tell me that actually one close girlfriend of mine, several guys had used like similar strategies on her. It's like they read the same book, yeah. you know, and they were really creepy things like having to do with being kind of an, an asshole, actually. So I'm going to play yeah. a short little clip from yeah. one of your videos. And then I want to ask you a question about it. I just okay. love, I love this. Hey you, my name is Marnie, and from here on out, I am going to be your very own personal wing girl. Here's an email that I got from Peter. I'm just a passive, easygoing person and a nice person. Girls never really showed much interest in me. Then, just as an experiment, I tried acting like an a-hole, and many girls liked me more, and there was more connection. Why do girls like it when I act like an a-hole? Peter, I'm not sure who started this horrible rumor that women like a-holes? I've never heard any of my female friends saying, Marnie, I can't wait to meet a guy who's a real jerk, belittles me on a daily basis, flakes on me, and overall treats me like crap. However, women do like men who stand up for themselves, don't bend over backwards to please them, and who have a clear understanding of their own self-worth. Many jerks, a-holes, 
and all-out bad boys do possess these qualities, which is where women can get confused and trapped falling for one of these types of guys. My guess is that you're actually a pretty nice guy, which is not a bad thing. Women want to be with a nice man, but they want that nice man to have balls. I love True. that. We hear that so much about, I love the bad, I mean, even women say it. I'm right. attracted to the bad boy. You, in the video, also go on to talk about how, you know, in some cases, the woman actually is attracted to kind of someone being a jerk, but usually that's because of really deep emotional right. issues and baggage and stuff. So that's, if you're a healthy, happy person looking for a healthy relationship, that's probably not the right person, right? right? So what are women looking for? I know it's a little bit different for everyone, but what are you finding underneath those, you those. are a very good interview by, interviewer, by the way. I just wanted to point that out for a second. Like, I love that you've done all of this research. I, I think oh, it's amazing. You. But I'll answer your question. But I, I just want to tell you that. Um, so <laughs> women want men who are comfortable in their own skin, who are confident, who can lead and are not afraid to really be themselves and put themselves out there. That's that's what they're looking for. And I know that it sounds like I don't know if I can swear on this, but like okay. like a like a bullshit answer. But that is the at the very core what we're looking for. And what I do is break that down so that men actually understand what each of those things means. So confidence, great. Everybody hears confidence. What does that mean? It means when you send me your profile and you write in, Oh, I like long walks on the beach and blah 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 and I write back to you, is that really what you like? You wrote that for me or for other women. Go back and write it as if you're writing it for yourself. That's confidence. When you can confidently put what you want out there and not be afraid that you're going to suddenly lose attraction from other people. That's mm. confidence. And I explain it in many other ways that they can understand. And I give them templates of things that they can use as training wheels so that they can create their own system or whatever it is that they want to call it afterwards so they can be really successful. Ultimately, what I'm trying to do is clear all this bullshit out of men's minds and let them, again, I'm going to put like air quotes and be cheesy, but just be themselves, yeah. but really find out who themselves means, like what it is and what it means. So with all of, without all of this fluff covering up their true self. That's that, confidence. That's huge. And that's also so helpful in our whole lives. Yeah. You know, and I think it's something that men and women both struggle with. And really, they're doing all these things to try to be the guy that you want, you know, if they care. So if they are trying to do things that seem a little bit jerk-like because they read something or they seem really insecure, underneath that all, there could be somebody just really wanting to connect in some way. Absolutely. Another thing I hear from women lately who've been through a bad relationship, which, you know, who hasn't, but I think L.A. especially, there's a – it's different than, like, the Midwest where I'm from where – you know, you might have two or three relationships in your life, right? Right. My mom says my, – my sisters all – I have three sisters. They all married their first boyfriend. And my mom said my life has been like a very interesting movie. So uh, – which and, is great. Which is great. And it's great now because I have a wonderful husband. But it's like, you know, it's it's a really interesting – you just go through all these experiences mm-hmm. and you're in a place where ever, there's a lot of independent people and creatives and all this stuff. So several girlfriends of mine lately have been saying things like, oh, all men are pigs, all men are jerks. And I've even heard it from a couple of guys, which I kind of feel like, uh, mm-hmm. you're kind of like saying you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you say to those women? What 
what is it that's okay, going on? I'm sorry on? you got hurt. Yeah. I'm sorry you got burned, but that is not true. You may just be looking incorrectly. Like, um, so I just started doing some coaching for women as well. I created a product that's called That's Not How Men Work. It's based on the information I've learned about men. Nice. That has actually helped me in my own relationship with my husband. Because cool. uh, I started dating him a month before I started my business. And so it's, it's, it's helped me throughout the way getting insight from these men of things I would have never known before. Um, but this one woman that I'm working with right now, um, she told me that her pattern is she meets men who are liars or they're really married, which is also a liar. But like all of these men who just aren't up to par with what she's looking for, but they're men that she's attracted to. And I, I gave her an assignment to go into a bar or a singles mixer or wherever it is that she's meeting men or even online, for example, and select one man that you may not typically have noticed a man that maybe you're attracted to but isn't really approaching you and being that cocky aggressive listen we're all attracted to that we're all attracted to somebody with confidence that's what it is that we're seeing in the very beginning we're we're seeing confidence from a guy who has no problem approaching us and i said try and even it out so every time that you approach one guy online who fits into this other category of liars like has all of those attributes that you've been going for in the past, try and balance it out with somebody else that has the opposite or that may just, you know, strike your interest but isn't approaching you and see what happens. What I've learned from working with so many guys is that really good guys sometimes are are nervous to approach. They're afraid of rejection and they've been rejected so many times in horrible ways by women that it really puts them off of approaching cold approaching people or talking to people, putting their intentions out there. Um, and every day we're, we're missing out on unbelievable guys. I will say that my husband is not the guy that I would have been attracted to in the past. I met all of his friends. They caught my attention because they were way more showy. They were way more in, his, in my face. And he sat back and he was a nice guy. And he didn't catch my attention until he started acting a little bit challenging towards me and teasing but he's the nicest guy in the entire world he also has a backbone he has confidence he has no problem stating his boundaries and telling me when something i'm doing is too much or wrong in his opinion um and i think that a lot of women are missing out on unbelievable men because they're just taking what they can get as opposed to going after what they want. That's such a good point and i really relate to what you're saying about uh your husband being somebody that you didn't even know was interested in you, it sounds like. Cause I, I didn't see him. Yeah. Honestly, I did not. He, and he's a good-looking guy, but yeah. so not in my realm of expectations at that time. Like, yeah. my world was short Jews who were kind of balding, accountants. Like, that was my type. And, like, kind of chatty. Maybe you think they're gay. Because they so – I don't I – don't, that really was my pool of guys that I was looking at before. My husband is six foot three, half black, Catholic, like, totally opposite. I did not even see him wow. in my wheelhouse. Like, it, he wasn't there. That is so interesting. Yeah. I noticed that uh, – all of the guys that I ended up in a serious relationship with, which were more than I actually know. Right. <laughs> I, I haven't counted. But uh, they all were very showy. And it's almost like I was, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I guess, societal ideals are, are one part of it. Because, you know, we see 
even in the, the movies now where there's like a strong female character, she still is like whisked off her feet by this incredibly romantic dude who's yeah. like really trying where there's like this, again, I think it's maybe strategy, but in, in all of those cases, they weren't actually being authentic. Right. So I'd get into the relationship and there's all these like love hormones going on and you don't see the red flags until you're like deeply in. So I went through all of that. And then I met my husband who we were neighbors and he was so kind and wonderful that mm-hmm. I didn't know he was interested in me. Yeah. And it's not that the other guys were jerks when I met them. They just, we weren't a good fit. I just didn't see them when I met them. Right. So that is really interesting to me. The whole, like, if they're charming you, isn't that a little bit, I don't know, artificial? I don't want to say that it's artificial because it's what that person is putting out there and it's what you're feeling at the time. I I wouldn't say that it's artificial. Um, And I wouldn't even say to be wary of it because the truth is is that it feels nice. It's fun to interact that way. But as you said, we start to get won over by that and we don't really notice red flags or we don't because we're, we like how it feels to be around them. So somebody who's super charming can also be a kind, amazing person because they have that skill set. But I think when we're, as, like you said, like in the love phase and like a starry eyed, I think we we let things slip that we wouldn't do sure. if we weren't being charmed where if you were dating another guy and you're like wait you just said like that yeah. guy he's got a racist comment like eh, yeah that's not for me but because you're being charmed you may let certain things slip by that sure. aren't a part of your value system and won't serve you yeah. in what you're looking for that's a that's an excellent point and i love that you said that you can be a charming individual and that's just authentically who you are yeah and then that's great you know so it's everybody's just so different yeah. uh, one of my most popular uh, show episodes and also blog posts my my show started uh, as a blog series was uh and remains actually steve harvey's rules about sex and so he's another uh, guy who is I respect him as a comedian I think he's well intended with his dating advice I think he's actually trying to help people and he's very funny and charismatic and all that stuff but I really don't like his uh, his sex rules Um, and I'm curious I know I know exactly so the 90 day rule is like basically and in his book he even says women should wait to give men sex for 90 days. So what's your take on... I don't... It's funny because I had like a manager recently who we were trying to do a television show um, and the people at the network that we were talking to were like, well, what are Marnie's like five five rules of do's and don'ts? And I was like, I don't have rules of do's and don'ts. I, I don't... I do. I think rules fuck people up. Um, I think that the rule should be for yourself. If I'm doing this so that... X, Y, Z, whatever this so that is, then don't do it. It's a game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you want to have sex because it's going to feel good and you're like, I don't care what happens afterwards and I can handle it, have sex. I think the thing, maybe I'm wrong, that, but the thing that turns guys off of sleeping with girls right away um, is that maybe the behavior that happens from the girls after they've slept with them. Or sometimes the mystique is gone, but sometimes maybe you were only meant to have sex that one time or a few times or, you know, ten times. So, yeah, I I don't have those same rules. I think that they actually hurt people. I agree. I love that you said you don't have rules because I think any – I mean, rules are meant for, like – Football, not yeah. for not for like your intimate relationships and stuff. I noticed L.A. is a. 
I think, a very different place to date in general compared to many places in, in the United States. And I love that you have the experience of dating all over, though. You know, it is pretty interesting. Yeah. It really is because it gives me perspective and it also kept me from thinking because I was dating. I was in the acting business yeah. and I was dating a lot of guys who were in the acting business. So, you know, there were some great ones. There were some who were just, you know, they were literally my, one of my agents was going to arrange a uh, – you know, a hookup for for publicity for me. I'm not even Ooh, kidding. You're so popular. So, oh, I don't know about you're so that. Jennifer Aniston. Well, with that. they were trying to. They were hoping I would right. be. I think is what was yeah. going on there. But it's just it's such a totally different. I mean, and you're part of this kind of hookup culture. And I actually had this really empowered single time in LA where I realized because I I had gotten married really early. The first time I call it my pseudo marriage because it really wasn't like it didn't feel like a marriage. Right. Uh, but so got divorced. And then it was the first time I realized I can have sex as a single woman. Yeah. That's like, OK. And I had a lot of fun and it was great. But then I realized a couple of the guys, you can hurt guys just yeah. as guys can hurt women. It's not like the guys are just assuming that it's going to be just a hookup for you. Right. And it really struck me and changed my the way I approached it, not that I wouldn't have casual sex, but I realized I needed to be a little bit more clear about my intentions or yeah. communicate. How do you do that? Because I know when you're just meeting somebody, it's right. kind of like, how do you bring up whether do you, you be honest with tact? So the thing is, is like you, you can have a great first date and you can end up, end up in bed with each other. Um, and if you wake up the next morning and you're like, yeah, this is only going to be a one night stand and I'm going to go home. And you instead say, oh, well, let's get together this afternoon for breakfast or like let's go for breakfast now and like you cuddle in bed. Those things are, are a no-no. That's leading somebody down a different path of what you're invested in. Um, so you don't have to say outright like, yeah, this is only a one-night thing. Sorry, I'm not into you that way because that's kind of hurtful. But I think a lot of guys and girls do this because they feel uncomfortable or they feel bad. They offer up boyfriend-girlfriend niceties to smooth out what they've done because they feel like that's the right thing to do when really the better thing to do is to have some integrity and, and be a little bit more clear on what this is and you just say, okay, well, you know, I got to go home now, but thank you for last night. Um, maybe we'll do this again sometime. I'm, you know, out of the country for the next three, three weeks. Something <laughs> yeah. that, that is, is like a clear statement saying I'm not into this in any other way. Um, yeah. And if you can handle that, then I'm okay with casually seeing that. It. I love that. And that also I can see as being a very strengthening thing for a person to do also in your yeah. life and in dating just to have integrity and to because it's it's a little nerve-wracking yeah especially for women i noticed in your uh is it it's your chictionary right yeah which i love so you have this it's an ebook right mm -hmm. that basically kind of decodes some of the things that phrases common things women say when they may mean something they're not right. exactly saying and and i love that you mentioned that it's not about women you know, trying to be confusing or it's just that we're soft taught. Blow. Yeah. We're yeah. trying to be nice and, and we're also cultured to be nice. Yeah. Like, like I would pick nice. up on it if you emailed me with like, no, I see, I can read the emotion behind your text. If you're not leaving any room for any emotion to go through or any questions asked back or anything that has emotion attached to it, I know that that means like, leave me alone. Like I'm trying to be nice and polite, but I'm, I'm not interested in anything further. Yeah. And I think a lot of other, a lot of guys, don't see that as much. They see as it as, oh, she wants me to chase her. Or, oh, she's writing back to me, so she must be interested. Oh, she's saying a nice thing, so she must be interested. Sure. So, yeah, it can get a little... That would be confusing. I mean, confusing if, if, if somebody men. says to you, 
oh, you're really nice and I really like you. And what you're telling that person is actually, I don't, I'm not lusting after you. Yeah, I don't want to sleep with attracted you. attracted to you, yeah. And the I don't get a girl boner hears. for you. Exactly. 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 Which maybe wouldn't be the most tactful way to say it, unless <laughs> right. they have a really good sense of humor. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, you could say that. And it just it depends case by case and all that stuff. So how can – do you think women should kind of work on, you know, trying yes. to communicate more honestly? Yeah, yes. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes that we make when we're communicating with guys? But not being clear and direct and thing. logical. Yeah, yeah. We fluff it up. Um, a lot of the times we – we don't just really say what we're thinking. And I do this too sometimes even in my own relationship because it either feels too mean or because we don't even know what we're thinking yet or it just feels scary. Like if you were to say X, Y, and Z, we could potentially lose you or you'll hate us for saying that. So we, I, like I know that I, I still work through – saying things directly and clearly like the other the other night my husband and I got into a bit of an argument um I forget what it was totally about but uh we we argued about something we're both exhausted we've had a child so you you know the patience is not 100% there um and I I started off the conversation by saying I feel x y and z like I was trying to take ownership of it and he reacted to the whatever statement that I was making and he's like oh now I have to deal with that and it just sent us down this horrible path and I and I, I stopped it after two minutes and just said what would have been better for me to say because I, I want to learn from this situation like I want to approach this in a better way so that you hear what I'm really trying to say and he said well honestly the best thing for me to hear would have been you love me and you know we've both been a little bit tense lately and that's been hard on both of us but Let's just sweep it under the rug right now because it's just emotions that we were expressing and we love each other. But there's a couple of things that I do want to bring up to you that that did bother me and I just want to get them off my chest. And I was like, oh, OK, maybe that is a better way of bringing Interesting. it Interesting. Yeah. You can learn from it and it yeah. becomes a, a tool. That's great. I, he just want to hear that I loved him still. And that's what I want to hear too is that yeah. I want to hear you love me even though I may have done something that may not have been the best. It's so interesting how – you can go through the whole argument and then you find out at the end that you kind of were on the same page. It yeah, just every time. Every the- time. That's the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I, I may not know what I'm thinking um, and I'm trying to do a better job of saying that like or- planning mm. my, my conversations with my husband so that I don't send him down a path that I'm, uh, that I'm not intending to send him down. I, the more clear and the more emotion can be removed, the more responsive sure. he is. And he's learning on the opposite end that some of the things I do say are emotionally charged. So he's working on patience sure. and hearing through my emotions and letting me get them out. And then we get to the the real meat of what's going on. I'm just trying Jeez. to say like also uh, I'm, I, I don't coach and I don't say I'm perfect. I'm, I'm working on all of these things yeah. still. Like I, you know, coached my way out of being shy and I but I am still working on it sometimes I do get nervous but I have the tools in my tool belt now so that I can muster up the courage and show my best self and I can figure out how to have have great conversation with people where I connect to them and same thing with with a relationship with a man I'm working on these things still and I have a tool about the tools that I can use and I think that that's the only thing that people can ask of you is that you're trying 
Absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully we're all people in progress. You know, we always want to be. Yeah. It's not like we grow and then we stop. And then right. we go, I'm all done learning everything. And, right. And hopefully our relationships are a journey and we're continually learning about each other. And, like, I had to learn that uh, I'm, I can be a little too direct sometimes. <clears throat> when it comes to, I just, I'm really curious and growing up, I actually, this radio show has helped a lot because when I want to talk about stuff, I can you talk and talk here, and talk yeah. and talk. Yeah. But <laughs> with, uh, and writing helps too. But I noticed that, you know, just because I have a thought or I, you know, it may not be, I mean, yep, right say it. a little bit about it first. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or to say things like, I don't know how I feel yet. Cause I, there, I used to feel like I have to answer. If someone asks me a question, I have to answer it. Right. And if you don't know the answer, you can say, you know what? I need to think about that. Yeah. Just hold on a second. Give me a second. Yeah. Yeah. Or however. Like all those long. little tools are like really powerful things. Cause even for a lot of the guys and women that I work with, like, they too feel like they have to fill the void of conversation. So instead of saying, like, give me a second, let me think about that, they spit something out and then they're like, oh, I'm so upset that I just said what that because it's not that? really what I think or feel. But yeah. I, like, I love that you learned that, that you're allowed to take yeah. pause for a second and really, like, think about something that somebody else has been asking you. That probably will mean way more to them as well. Because you're showing you care too, which is yeah, good. Like, yeah. You know, I care about an, you enough to like really process this. Yeah. Instead of saying something you can't take back. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely that's tough. So being direct obviously online is a little tougher. Well depending. I mean it's just a different world. So with all these people using online dating, which can be a great tool I know, uh, what are some of the biggest, I guess, mistakes that people are making when it comes to online dating? Uh, they're not searching correctly and they're not using it correctly. Um, for men and for women, they're not emailing people. How and, are they searching? Um, okay, so Craigslist. They, they <laughs> just as we said before, you have to turn yourself on before you can turn somebody else on. Like I think you have to be very clear on what it is that you want because if, like, if I go into a shoe store and I have no idea what I want. Either I'll walk out having nothing because everything will overwhelm me or I'll buy five pairs and like only end up wearing one of them and then be really pissed at myself for having those five pairs and wasting that money that I could have spent elsewhere. But when I have a plan in my mind, and sometimes it's just fun to go willy-nilly and try shoes on, but just a plan in my mind like, you know what, I'm really looking for this size heel, this kind of color, like this – I end up getting what I want because I'm I'm more targeted on what I'm looking for. I think a lot of people online – they have their ideal of what they want, um, but they kind of bypass that and are won over. Same thing in person. You're won over by other things. Like that woman I told you about the other night, like she wants a partnership. She wants great men in her life who are honest and have integrity. But for some reason, she keeps ending up with men who have no integrity and are liars yeah. and who are married. And that's something on her, not on the guys. It's who she's allowing into her life. And then she also had a situation where – um, you know, she's kind of been casually seeing this guy for two years waiting for him to want something more. And I was like, well, are you getting the things that you want from him? And she said, no. And I said, well, then why? 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 You have to cut this off. Like, you have to be very clear on what you want. It's the same thing for online dating. Um, clear on what you want. And you can skew a little bit. Like, for example, if some guy contacts you that's five foot seven and you said only five foot eight to, you know, six two, like, you have to be open minded to those other people. And you have to search online. You have to go and be proactive instead of just taking what comes your way. You have to go pick out what you want. You're selecting a partner, not a pair of shoes. You're selecting a partner potentially for the rest of your life or somebody who's going to be inside you at some point. Like either way, that's something that's extremely intimate and you have to be careful with who you allow into that space. Plus, 
as you said before, people have limited time. Like, why do you want to waste your time on a douchebag that's going to mess with your head for three weeks, avoiding your calls, and then, like, eventually seeing you at 11 o'clock? Like, why, why do you want those things? So you have to be clear on what it is that you're looking for when you're using online dating. So on your profile, being more specific then. Not even being more specific on your profile, but you want to be as real as possible. You want to put yourself out there and not try to please other people. So I tell people, write your profile as if you were writing it for you. And you were just telling, like, one of your friends what it is that you're looking for and, like, describing you. Like, I'm a little bit sarcastic sometimes, but, like, you, you wouldn't flower that up. So just yeah. write it that way. And then when you're you're looking, like – really know what it is that you're looking for. You're looking for a person with integrity. You're looking for a person who's loyal. You're looking for a person who has lots of interests. You're looking for a person who will take risks. Okay, so go into a profile and see that, oh, this guy, you know, he moved from here to here. That's a risk taker. Um, oh, you know what? He likes to do action sports. That's somebody who's fun, who, like, tries new adventures. You, you, like, that's what you want to be armed with when you go and use any tool, whether yeah. it's Tinder or an online site or... Um, even in person, like you can ask those questions and not do a laser focused interview series, but you can say things like, oh, you know what? I just got back from skiing in Mammoth. I had the best time ever. And if he goes, oh, I hate skiing, not really into skiing, he can be like, oh, okay, well, okay. You're not into what I'm into, but let's see what else you have. Yeah. Oh, are you into any other types of activities or, like, sports and stuff? And he could say, yeah, you know, I'd really love going fishing. And then you can see that you potentially do have something in common that you do like the outdoor. Something. It's it's asking the right questions, just gauging their responses as well because sure. um, sometimes they're nervous yeah. to, and they may not know how to respond and thread the conversation appropriately. Um, but, again, you have to be clear on what it is you want. And also, do you think they should be having these conversations? Once you decide, like, this person seems like somebody I want to meet, don't you think they should then either meet or try to – Because yeah. one thing I've noticed is I have some friends who dated online quite a bit. And sometimes maybe the person doesn't live super close or, you know, in L.A. that could be 10 miles or whatever. Right. But yeah, it's a totally different relationship. It's like when they no. meet, it's so No, because you build up way too much in your mind. You have yeah. too many expectations. At least Skype or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just, I just find any time that – I put too much not pressure. It's not even pressure. I can build something up really big in my head. And when you don't meet in person and you have like fluffy words, um, that you can you can start building up this fairy tale in your mind, and, and it you puts don't a know lot about of pressure. The physical chemistry. Mm-hmm. Which and I, I don't know if that actually ruins the physical chemistry or if it surpasses it. Like we just did this podcast um, that was talking about. You know, porn, how if, – if you're addicted to porn, how it heavily affects your brain chemistry. Yes, we talked about that here too. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Topic. But yeah. yeah, and I want you to come on our show and talk about I stuff like that know. as well because I think you'd be great with that. Um, but how it was talking about how you you basically can't have sex in real life because it doesn't even um, amount to the amount of stimulation that your brain receives from watching porn so often. Like your stimulus levels have to keep increasing. Right. That real sex is, is not satisfactory for you. Right. And I think that that can tend to happen as well with meeting somebody in person who you've been writing to for so long. It's like this, it's like this, you know, online dating porn mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you're feeding into that all the time. That is a great time. term right there. Yeah. And yeah. like, and then you meet them and you're like, eh, this isn't so good. And like, yeah. It takes the mystique out too. Yeah. It's like you had this, because when we are writing, it's almost like we have this classic romance from a novel or something. Yeah. You're writing love letters to each other. And with a letter or an email or even a just instant message, you can think about it a bit before. Yeah. So everything's a 
little bit shinier. You yeah. know, it's not the same thing as like stumbling a bit and um and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and then when you're like, oh wait, this is the guy that writes these amazing emails, why is he like pausing to think about things. Yeah. How come it doesn't just flow out of his mouth really easily? And the thing is, is that online, some people are fantastic writers, but some people are not as charismatic in person. Yeah, that is a really good point. Yeah. And that's something that you'd want to know, you know, yeah. <laughs> right away. Well, and the flip, sure. like a lot of guys that I work with are awesome when I talk to them, but have the worst profiles I've ever seen because they're not good writers. Ah. Uh, and so, so maybe they should say that. I suck yeah. at writing profiles, but anyway. Horrible writer. <laughs> talk to me in person and you'll have fun. Like yeah. that's all you need But Or they should just start going to live events. Yeah. As opposed to writing. Like, so like can have singles both. events or you mean just like events of yeah. whatever they're interested in? Both. Both. Okay. Both. If you are single and you want to meet people, you should host your own singles events in a way that you would like to. You can go on meetup.com and you can meet other single women, other single men. Um, you can start your own meetup as well for singles. You can even start like a singles running group, what, whatever it is. Ask your friends who they know who they can hook you up with. Um, have like a party like they did on Sex in the City where each person brings one of their exes with them that they don't want anymore. Uh, like <laughs> there's tons of resources for you. There's um, speed dating events, which aren't that wonderful, but sometimes they can work. But singles mixers are wonderful. But just keep trying different things. You, if you, The more you put yourself out there and the more you get into the habit of putting yourself out there, the more open you are to being received and having opportunities presented. That makes you. really good sense. When you mentioned – like a running event, I had to, I giggled because I was imagining if you're doing something that's singles, it automatically is like you're all che- are you all checking each other out? Is it kind of like you're wearing like your best running outfit? And yeah, you're like looking at each other up and down. Yeah, and, but it's fun and that's just what you do. Yeah, because it's yeah. something you really enjoy as well. Yeah, and you don't know you might meet another single girl that you're going to have a great time with and you're a girl and then you can go out together to singles events or to bars or to other groups where you can You could be the wing girl for your friend. Exactly. (laughs) That's a really, really good point. And also, you mentioned meeting other girls. So, does your approach work for same-sex couples as well or is that just kind of completely separate? I think it does. At the core of my program, it teaches people how to be the people that they want to be and how to be their most authentic, real self. Plus, it gives them tools on how to approach and talk to people and be engaging and be fun and flirty and to not take life so seriously. So I think both both sexes, no matter who they're trying to attract, I think can benefit from those things. Plus, you know, um, lesbians, I'm sure, can definitely benefit from my programs because, again, it's also teaching it's them women how women work. women. Yeah. 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 So I just started doing these, um, like, little radio spots for Lesby Real radio show, and they wanted a representative from the other side. So, yeah. So, like, they seem to like my stuff and are very supportive of it. I don't know about the gay community, but lesbians, yeah. lesbians like me. Gay people out there, let us know what you think. Yeah. We'd love to hear. But I, I love that. I mean, I am feeling like I get inspiration from your work and I'm not looking for a relationship obviously so it's you know I think just being more authentic is huge and any anything that we can do and learn from and for our friends too you know we we all want to be the supportive friend you know to our friends who are struggling with single issues or or whatnot so Yeah. yeah well this is the best advice I think that I can give to women for giving advice to other women because I've noticed my advice start to change, which is why I wrote this program, That's Not How Men Work. So in the past, like, five years, I would say, I would notice my support and my advice from my female friends would go from, oh, well, he's a jerk. Like, oh, you deserve much better than that, to that's not how men work. 
That's not how men work. So that's not going to attract them if you're if you keep doing this. Or what you're doing isn't going to get you what you want. That's not how men work. And so I feel like being more honest with your girlfriends as opposed to supportive can help them have a realistic point of view as opposed to I like I totally support supporting your girlfriends as well but I think there's like a nice balance of you got sure. you have to be honest too so and that it's supporting helpful. them by being honest yeah. by saying you know you're not seeming as much like yourself with this guy. I don't know that yeah. – is that the relationship? Are you going through something or, you know, or just noticing things? Because I think sometimes those red flags, because we don't have the gooey hormones going on, yeah. we can see them better. Yeah. And we can say, hey, you know, if you're happy, great. That's what matters to me. But I saw this. And yeah. I'm just putting it out there just so that you know. But I love you and whatever, you yeah. know. Just That's perfect advice. Honesty is huge. That's yeah. amazing. So where can we learn more about your work? Uh, well, if, if you're a man, you can go to Wing Girl Method. And you can listen to the Ask Women podcast. And if you are a woman, go to that'snothowmenwork.com and you can check out my program. And actually, I'm going to be doing a radio show called That's Not How Men Work, and that's hopefully going to be coming out shortly. Fantastic. Well, let yeah. me know what it is so I can give a shout out. Thank so you. Can, yeah. Can go ahead and, and check it out. You can also find Marnie on Twitter at Wing Girl Method, as well as Facebook and YouTube. You have to subscribe to her channel. She's excellent in her videos. They're just super fun. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe if you haven't yet so you will not miss a beat and leave a simple review on iTunes. Make sure to connect with the whole Girl Boner community for more fun online as well. You can find all of those links on my website. That's www.augustmclaughlin.com. And be sure to join me next week as we explore sexy abundance. Yes, we're going to talk about money and cultivating wealth in your relationships with fabulous entrepreneurial and relationship coach Rick Gabrielli, a.k.a. The Marriage Boss. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.